You guys like silence? When it's quiet, isn't it weird? When the kids are finally out of the house, though, sometimes you like the silence a little bit. When they're, they're busy out playing with friends, you can kind of... <sighs> but silence oftentimes is, is difficult for us. So is everyone doing really well today? Good. I'm doing good today, too. God is so amazing. Isn't that right? So many reasons today that we can give praise to God, right? Every day that we wake up in the morning and have breath, every moment that we are able to breathe and move and have our being, God is so amazing. Thank you. So I wanted to um, share with you, well, we're talking about Paul, and so we're continuing in Paul. But I wanted to specifically talk to you about, about family and about effective family, because when I look at Paul, when I see Paul, I see him as like a father, a father that adopts these sons, and he takes these people on a journey with him. And in effect, he actually reaches out to people that he also considers to be his family. And we know Paul for being the man that travels and he starts these churches and he ministers to people and those churches expand. So I want to talk to you about effective families. So I want to give you this little, this little phrase because this is the reality. As parents, we oftentimes wondered, am I really making effect on my kids? Am I really making impact? And as a leader, of any level, even at work, you wonder, is anybody really learning anything? Am I really making impact in people's lives? So I have this little phrase for you to hear. In effective families, the impact is great. Isn't that true? In effective families, the impact is great. Do you see what happened there? If we put that up on the screen, can you see it? Because what I want you to understand to start off today is that, of course, punctuation is crucial. Right? Many people don't understand that. You know how many texts, Facebook messages, emails, especially from students, I wonder if they're learning anything in school. It's the longest run-on sentence I've ever seen in my life. Are we really making impact in our homes, in our work, in our schools? This is what I want you to recognize because I think a lot of times we get frustrated with, I'm trying to get something across to my kids and they are not listening to me. They just don't understand what I'm trying to get across. When will they learn? I think that we get so caught up in the reality that they're kind of not listening and it's frustrating us. We get caught up in that and we miss this point. We miss learning through that process that what comes in between our words matters the most. What does a punctuation in your life say? to your kids? What does it say to your spouse? Because they know you more than anybody else knows you. 
And so they know what boils your blood, and so they're going to push buttons. Even coworkers and people that you know, friends, we all, you start to know each other so well that you push each other's buttons. And the reality is, you can get all caught up and all frustrated and all worried about all these different things that you are frustrated about because your kids aren't listening or, or your spouse doesn't respect you or all these different things. But what is more important than your words is your actions. And if you can't speak one thing and live according to that thing during the little comma in your life, or placing a period there and saying, now I need to live this out. If you can't do that, then you're not going to be impacting many people's lives at all. When I look at Paul, I actually see a man who used punctuation well. Not just because he wrote a bunch of letters, but because he lived what he preached. He spoke and he lived the same. He faced frustrating situations. He, he saw hurt and pain and devastation and shipwreck. He saw all these different things, but regardless of what he faced, he chose to stay focused on what God had given him. I guarantee you he got upset. I guarantee you that he was very disappointed in people along the way. But he focused on the punctuation, and he trusted in God and said, I give you the words that I'm pouring out to these people. I, I'm trusting you, God, that you're going to work. Because all I can do is speak the words and live the life. God, you have to take those words of mine and, and do something with them. Because I'm taking your word, God. I'm taking what you've given to me, and I'm trying to pass it on. But I don't feel like they're listening. But the most important thing that Paul recognized and the thing that he lived out the most was, very specifically, living by what he preached. And that made impact. Two-thirds of the New Testament, you have his words that we still read today that are still making impact. When I think of Apostle Paul, I also think of, of traveling because he traveled well. And this is where it brings us to our text in Acts 16, verses 1 through 5 to begin. He came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for all of them knew his father was a Greek. Paul taught the very fact that to reach the Jews, you must become the Jews. And so he's teaching this, and he's implementing this in his friend, his son, adopted son, Timothy. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew, number, grew daily in numbers. Paul traveled well. He made impact everywhere that he went. I don't know about you, but I want the anointing of God so that every place that I put my foot and every word that comes out of my mouth makes impact. Not a negative impact, not an not a impact that's going to hurt or destroy, but an impact that is going to build up, that is going to change, that is going to equip and I think of this all the time. 
And presently, right where we're at right now, while we're all here and our pastor is on the other side of the world, this is exactly what he's doing. He is taking family, pulling men together. They travel together over there like family, in the word together, praying together, challenging each other, holding each other up, growing in the Lord. It impacts their lives. Pastor Gray has focused on we are the mission. That is our philosophy as a church. If he can impact those seven men that he took with them to Vietnam, they can go on to do incredible things. The same thing is true for you. You may think, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. You don't have to. What you need is the power of God in your life. And when you live according to that, it's going to make impact. And this is the truth. What Paul did is he took family with him, created family with the men that he worked with. He went to the churches that became also like family to him. He cared about them. He wept for them. He sacrificed for them. And that's the very thing that we're doing as a church, going to Vietnam two times a year. Because those people that have accepted Christ over there, they need the Bible. They need to be taught. They need to be discipled. And the most amazing thing is they want it. They're desirous of it. Paul traveled well because his focus was, wasn't on himself, it was on others. And this is, when I think about traveling, when you think about getting in a car with your kids, you don't think about effectiveness for a number of reasons. Can you think of one of the first phrases that come out of their mouth while you're traveling? Are we there yet? How many times do you hear that? You know, I hear that all the time with teenagers when we're getting to a van and we're driving here or there doing, you know, different events or different uh, retreats. And my answer is always 15 minutes. Doesn't matter if we're 15 hours away. We got 15 minutes. Just hold on. Five minutes away, still 15 minutes, guys. Don't let them see the GPS because then they're, they're counting down every minute. There's not much effectiveness in your travel times, though, right? When you think about traveling with your family, it just, it just doesn't work. Another big phrase is, I have to go to the bathroom. This is... This is very common uh, among our staff. We have this conversation often. Staff meeting in 10 minutes, okay? 10 minutes, nine minutes later, everybody's lined up at the bathroom. Obviously late because we never think ahead. But your travel times, of course, with your kids and with your family is not always that effective, but also your being an example to your kids is not very effective either when you're on the road. Isn't that true? Yeah. Sometimes you just kind of lose it. Isn't it weird that when you're late, you just get so bent out of shape and nothing goes right? I remember getting my kids up really early, getting them off to school, and I had to, I had to drop them off at the before-school-care deal and then get back to work on time. And so it was early in the morning, and I'm already frustrated because I feel like we're running late, and so everything, like I said, is falling apart, and it's just not happening. And I, I'm, I've got Emma's 
sippy cup because it was back in those days, and, and it's like leaking milk all over the place. And so there's just more frustrating things always build up and build up and build up. And we're right at the door. We're standing there, walking into the garage, and the downstairs basement stairs are right here. And, she, and, and she's dropping milk all over the place, and she's trying to put it on, but she doesn't understand it. And I'm trying to fix it. And I just said, okay, I, I blew it. I just, like, blew up. I just said, you know, I don't even know what I said. It probably wasn't good. But what happened is we ended up putting the cup on the ground because I said it's leaking all over just get in the car. But the reality is she wanted that milk so bad, so she was reaching for it, and I, I just, I blew, up, I blew up, and I kicked the cup. And it flew down the stairs, and it hit the ceiling, and milk went everywhere. Because we're so stupid when we're late. Everything's falling apart, and we make it ten times worse because our effectiveness goes out the door when we get overwhelmed or frustrated. But that wasn't Paul. I guarantee he got upset. He's human. The reality is he made so much impact because he was willing to stay the course with what God had called him to do. Paul traveled well because his focus wasn't on himself. It was on reaching other people, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I think about an effective family, I think about an effective Christ follower. And the reverse is also true. When I think about an effective Christ follower, I think about an effective family, a family that is going to impact their young. And those young kids are going to grow up to impact their kids, and it's going to pass on. But here's where the rubber meets the road. This is the reality about who God is and how God works. He doesn't just answer your prayer because you asked. He answers your prayer because you've stayed the long obedience in the same direction. It is so vital for each and every single one of us because the, the, the Bible is really clear. It speaks very highly of the New Testament church. The New Testament church that says we are family. We are a body that this hand can't do anything without this other hand and the foot and the head and all the parts working together, but specifically the body, the unit that works in Unity. So every single time that you get frustrated and overwhelmed, never be afraid because I got in the car after I cleaned all the milk off the walls and the ceiling and the kids were dead silent. And I got in the car and said, I'm sorry. Because that's not the way to respond. Paul traveled well because he stayed along obedience. And it takes a long obedience. This is the reality. It takes a long obedience for a praise band to be good. If you're constantly losing a player, pulling in new people, they're totally green. They, they may be the greatest musician, but they may not understand the philosophy of where we're taking it and how, how God is moving and what we're doing and where we're going. And so the longer you're together. The long obedience makes for children that turn out. 
You think, well, I don't have this giftedness or I don't have that giftedness or I see this, this father over here that's just really phenomenal, just has such patience and I don't have that. Or I see this mother over here that just is so motherly and I'm just not quite like that. And I don't fit into all, you know, all that God says is stay with me. Your personality doesn't even matter. But staying along obedience does. Along obedience also makes for a church that reaches more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Makes impact. Pastor Gary has made impact in Vietnam because of a long obedience. Year after year after year, disappointment after disappointment, frustration and traveling for two days to get there and two days to get back. In all of it, you stay the long obedience in the same direction and God will honor you. People today are more confused, though, with Christianity than anything because we don't respond well. We're too busy kicking sippy cups and flipping out and not apologizing when we do. We can all rise up. This is a reality. We can all rise up as people of God to say, hey, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be the difference. I'm going to be the change in this life, in this generation. I'm going to rise up to be the person that God has called me to be. Let me be that man that God works through to reach other people. But the reality is we can all rise up to make a declaration to be the change. But if we don't have a long obedience, then that change will never come. It won't last. I remember going to these Acquire the Fire events, big stadium events, and I think they were really powerful. And one of the things that I really miss is, is the band Delirious, if any of you guys remember them, and uh, powerful stuff. I, I, just one of the things that, that I remember so vividly of these Acquire the Fire events. But this was the truth. I remember walking the streets after one of the nights with Pastor Gary. I think it was in Indianapolis, Indiana, this big stadium event, and all these thousands of people stood to their feet and stood down in the aisles and came down front, and, and they all were surrendering to Christ. And I was walking down the streets afterwards with Pastor Gary just saying, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. Because I believe that God was working. But how many of those people have someone that's going to disciple them? How many of you have made a decision back the line that didn't, follow that you didn't follow through with it it happens every single year at new year's doesn't it it's not just then it's throughout our life god is speaking to me oh i feel convicted and so today's the day god today's the day i'm gonna do this but we don't make it to the next day we don't even make it 24 hours but i remember going to uh dare to share a couple years ago actually we took some students there, and Dare to Share is all about evangelism and teaching and training kids to reach out to their friends, and I'm a big uh, pusher of that because I think that I can go to the school every single day of my life and not make as much impact as a teenager can in their own context. So th they are the mission, so we equip them to go there, but I, I really appreciated his approach because this was the thing. He was presenting the gospel, and people were responding. And he, he didn't have them come up front. He didn't have them pray a, a prayer out loud or do this thing. He said, stand to your feet. And then he said, youth leaders, look at your group. It is your job 
to disciple any teenagers that are standing to their feet. So you don't walk away from that event without somebody pursuing you. It is so vitally important that you not only accept Christ, but that you are discipled, that you stay where God is working. And this is how you stay. A few different things. Effective believers pay it forward. You know, I really hate that phrase. Anybody else hate that phrase? But I chose to use it to make my point. I really don't like the phrase pay it forward, primarily because Fox 17 has now every single night, it seems like, this little pay it forward thing and elevating this person because they were nice to that person. And, and it's just all, it gets all so messed up. But it helps make my point because I want you to think about this. Where did that principle come from? Pay it forward is a perfect example of the gospel. God came to me, revealed himself to me, pursued me. I recognized his pursuit of me. He found me, and I surrendered to that. My life is changed. And so now, because my life is changed, I want to give it to somebody else. And in effect, they carry on that effectiveness, and they want to reach out to somebody as well. This is exactly what is happening in our text. Paul is traveling, and he has this vision, he has this idea, he has this, this passion to go to these same churches that he went to on his first trip, and he's going to go back to these very same churches, and he's going to encourage them, he's going to disciple them, and he runs into Timothy. And he sees something about Timothy that he really likes. That this kid is going to do something with his life. And so he grabs hold of them and he disciples them and he takes them to the next level. But the reality is most people feel good. This is the problem with Fox 17 and all this pay it forward movies and videos and ridiculousness. The problem is that the world has taken spiritual principles like pay it forward and they've made them into good deeds that are sending people right to hell. And it's so vitally important because even if we don't understand this, believers, especially new believers, are getting caught up in that very same thing, walking right away from what God really has in store for them. The truth is, if you don't have Jesus, you are in trouble. Isn't that true? Yeah. Have you ever lived a week without Jesus, without putting your attention on him. Isn't it interesting how your week is different? And sometimes you don't even realize it until after the fact. But it's the truth. If you don't have Jesus, you are destined to be on the search, always on the search, looking for something else that will satisfy. And every time you find something that you think is going to satisfy, it only leads to more dissatisfaction. You'll never be happy. If you don't have Jesus, you are lost. You are without direction. You are without understanding. I remember there was a time, it was right after, actually, it, it relates very well to my whole story, my life. I had an opportunity to go to a camp and, you know, be like the, the worship guy at this camp, you know, a summer camp. It wasn't anything special. It was just, 
you play guitar and you can sing these songs and come lead our kids this summer. So my cousin was going to this camp in Wisconsin and he was saying, we still need guys to play music and to do this. And I was like, I'm, I'm on board. But a month before I just said, no, nah, I just, I don't really want to do that. And whatever it was, I just thought it was a, a dumb idea or whatever. I didn't want to go and I didn't want to do it. So I took off with him still. And I drove all the way around to Milwaukee and he drove as well in a separate car because I wasn't going to stay over there. And we went to a Milwaukee Brewers baseball game just together. It was like the last thing because we were roommates in college and all this stuff. So, so I did that. And then I took my, my old 1979 pickup truck and my dad's kayak on top. And I went up the lake shore of Wisconsin and all the way into Michigan and all the way down the lake shore. And I made this big old trip for, you know, a few days just to be like, I'm going to be just on my own with God because I've made this decision not to go to that camp because I need more time just with God. But I want to tell you something. Coming out of that year, I remember very distinctly my cousin coming back and we're roommates again at college and he says, wow, this summer you met someone. You met someone that you think you're going to marry? He said, wow, that must have been God's design. And you know what? That was, that was my approach back then. But you know what I realize when I look back now? Is that one simple decision because of fear, ultimately. That's, that's my problem. Fear kept me from going to be a, a worship leader at a camp and took me on a journey that, to nowhere around Lake Michigan. Pursuing, thinking, oh, this is a dream, just getting out in the kayak and just cruising around. And it brought me nowhere. It brought me into a relationship, into a marriage that didn't last. If I hadn't been on my little Michigan, Lake Michigan journey, everything would have been different. It's amazing when you look back on your life and you realize the stupid mistakes that you've made. How many of you have made mistakes that, are, that you're still paying for today? Anybody? Yeah. Like school bills? No. <laughs> no, not those. You need school bills. You need an education. You don't need the bills. This is, this is the reality. Without Jesus, you are lost, and GPS cannot help you. Whenever GPS stops working in your car, how do you feel? Has that ever happened to you? I think I rely too much on GPS for trips. Remember the days when I had to get on the computer before you left and print out MapQuest? And you had to follow the instructions? And then you get in the car and you realize that you don't even have them with you? So you have to turn the car around, you have to go back, and you have to find the instructions, and you have to put them in the car. Those were the days. But now we have GPS, and so we're never going to get lost again. I took a little, I always refer to it as our, our uh, waterfall tour. Took the kids out to my cousin, same cousin actually. He now lives in New Jersey. So I drove out there, and on our way, we stopped in about halfway. It was on the edge of Ohio and Pennsylvania, and this is big trail that we were going to walk around in. It wasn't halfway. It was just like a stopping point for us to take a break and take a walk. So we walked these trails down to this first waterfall that we saw, and it was really cool, really neat. 
But it was just little stuff. And so then we got all the way to New Jersey. We were staying there for a few days. And we went to Patterson, New Jersey, which is known from history as being the falls that when people were coming over to the New World, they went to Patterson. And that's where they got power for everything. And so the, the town started to grow right there in Patterson because of the waterfall. And that's, that's a way bigger waterfall. So that was really cool to see that. And then we took the trip on the way home, to, and we stopped at Niagara Falls. So obviously that's a step above. And so we stayed there for two nights, and it was really awesome. We stayed on the Canada side, and we did a lot of fun little attraction stuff, and this is just a tourist trap without any questions, so be careful when you go there. But the reality is we got to go under the falls and got to, you know, ride out in the boat and stuff and got to see all, all the different things with Niagara Falls. But this is the reality. I got into my car the next, um, the next morning. We stayed two nights. And that morning, I jump into the car, and I type in, you know, my phone, my GPS, take me home. All was well, but two miles into it, I got away from the American border and into Canada. No more GPS. No more data on my phone. I couldn't even ask Siri to help me. I was in Canada in a really weird scenario where I had to find this road that I couldn't, I had no, I had to go buy a map. You know what that is? I actually had to stop and spend 10 stinking dollars on a map to get me out of the mess that I was in because I didn't map quest it out before I left and because my GPS stopped working. But this is the reality. Because Jesus taught in parables. Here is our parable for today. You think that you need GPS to guide you through life. Sometimes that GPS is these friends that are speaking into your world that are really not the best of friends. Sometimes that GPS is even friends from church that are not right on the right path. Because I've experienced that before too. You think that you need GPS, but what you really need is, is Jesus. And you need his roadmap. You need him to guide you and to challenge you. And so every time that you distance yourself, every time you push yourself away from what God is doing, you are missing out. Paul followed the roadmap. And that's why he traveled well. The key ingredient for effectiveness as a child of the king starts with being others focused. With focusing not on yourself. And this is a, this is a difficult task. So when we dig into the word of God, when we dig into what the word of God has to say, then something starts to happen. Paul followed a road map and the churches, our passage says, are the churches were strengthened, and every day God was adding to their numbers those who were being saved. Because they were following this roadmap that God had marked out for them, not the one that they thought was the best. Not because of some program that they put together. Not because they went to a, gro a church growth seminar to learn how to build their church. Not because of these seven steps, or these 10 steps, or these 80 steps to effectiveness. We get sick of all these steps. Don't you get sick of it all? The power of the Holy Spirit empowers you as you stay with a long obedience on the map that God has marked out for you. So stay. This is a quote I found. It says, if in an unknown country, I am informed that I must pass through a valley where the sun is hidden or over a stony bit of road to reach my abiding place, when I come to it, each moment of shadow or jolt of the carriage tells me that I am on the right road. 
going the right direction. This fits Paul's life really well because he faced things that were difficult. This fits your life very well because you're going to face things that are difficult. But regardless, understand, recognize that every single bump, every little hiccup, every little dark spell in your life is there by God's design. So Paul, in all of his circumstances, trusting God, he moves forward into the next step, saying, effective believers work as a team. You know what I want to do oftentimes when things don't go so well is you disengage from the team, right? Isn't that the way it works? The very thing that you need when you're going through a hard time is the team that you have around you. But the very first thing that you want to do when things aren't going so hot is actually walk away from the team. I went through a divorce almost 10 years ago. A time in my life to have a team like no other. First came a Monday when I found out and there was separation. So I'm faced with this thing. What on earth am I supposed to do? Life was just rolling along and suddenly darkness. Everything was just joyous and great and everything was wonderful, but all of a sudden there was this bumpiness that I couldn't understand and soon it wasn't even enough to have that feeling but to have someone pack up their bags and to watch them drive for the very last time away. It was only a couple months later I was out with some teenagers sledding and I will never go to that God-forsaken hill on Grand Valley campus in Allendale again. So I'm going down this hill, and it's not, it's a, it's a fun hill, but it's out of control, and it started getting bumpy, and we're talking like big bumps. I'm on the sled, and I'm just like slam, slam, and I'm falling out of the sled, and sure enough, my leg falls out, digs into the snow, but my body keeps going, and it twists my leg around, and sure enough, I try to stand on it, and it's like something's wrong. So these, so, these guys, so these guys drag me to the car, and I'm, I get myself home, and I'm putting my leg up, and, and I, I had a spiral fracture. They said it's worse than a break. You see, the doctor said you may as well have just broken it, a spiral fracture. And for week after week after week, I was saying, God, first this separation came, and now I'm, I've broken this leg, and I have my kids, and I'm on these crutches, and I'm, and I'm hobbling around trying to figure out how am I supposed to get these kids. And I, I had this little Bronco, too. You know what that is? Two doors, two kids, back seat, not fun, with a broken leg. So I'm hobbling, I'm getting them in there, and then I had to buckle them in, so I'm like standing back there, and my leg's all hanging, and it's painful, and, and I had infection, and all this different stuff set in. It, was, it, it wasn't enough. The very day that I got my cast off, I went and got my hair cut. I was driving down Fillmore. And I hit a patch of black ice and I rolled my Bronco 2 right on its side and slid for 100 feet till I came to a stop. And I'm hanging at that point by my seatbelt saying, Hello, God, 
just, just one more thing need to happen in my life? So I, I stand up on my passenger door and I'm pushing my driver door up when I hear a lady yelling and screaming because there's another car coming. And this other car, of course, is hitting this same black ice. And so I dive back into the car and she slams into the hood of my car. And it's at that point in my life, you know, when I'm climbing out on top of my car with a just barely healed leg, praising God, of course, that the kids weren't with me. But the reality is all this stuff was happening. I'm asking God, what on earth is going on? Because I'm, I'm following where you wanted me to go. Why is it that all of this is happening? And Paul faced these sort of circumstances all the time. He was shipwrecked. I'd much rather flip my car than be shipwrecked. This is the truth. There's some things that I really, truly realized throughout that whole circumstance. I don't have time for all of them, but I have time for this one. Biblical family. Because we, as family units, father, mother, children, we're missing out in this culture nowadays. We're not living by biblical standards anymore. People are walking out left and right. And it's affecting our culture. But the reality is, number one, I have my, my parents who have, to this day, support and take care of and help with the kids. And without that kind of family, I wouldn't have made it. And I had the church family, namely Pastor Gary, by my side when the board of the church said, we are not going to have a youth pastor who is divorced. Pastor Gary stood up and says, then you're not going to have me either. He put his neck on the line because that's family. That's what family does. It's tough when you're going through life trying to figure these things out. Paul came to Derby, then to Lystra, where Timothy, it's a little paraphrased version, so you catch this. Paul came to, to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer who didn't follow GPS and who used punctuation well. She trained Timothy up to be a godly person. And this is the reality. I can think back to, um, I didn't know that my mom was praying for me. And I didn't know that she had other ladies in the church praying. Do you know the power of prayer in your life? You don't even recognize it in the midst of it all. When things are going crazy and things are going wacko, and this was the most difficult time. I mean, all growing up, though, she was praying that I would be used by God, that I would be in ministry, that I would be serving God. Prayer works. And so here you have a mother of Timothy who's reaching out and raising the son. And this is what we know of Timothy. Timothy, it says to have been a zealous character. You know what that means? It means, yikes, be careful, because he's young. In fact, here's a little quote of, of a different author. He says, 
Timothy was known as a complicated character, a youthful man who had a weak stomach. He looked very young, and he was not a muscular Christian. The very person that got that, that most of us would say, no thanks, I'm not taking that person under my wing, is the very person that God would take. This is exactly where I found myself in the midst of all of this disastrous stuff in my life. The very people that wanted to destroy and take me out. Do you know where if they would have separated me and said, he's no longer going to be our youth pastor, do you know where that would have taken me? But we're constantly pushing people away. Pastor Gary took me in the same way. Lifted me up kept me focused. Paul looked at Timothy and he said, I'm, I see something in this guy and, and I'm going to disciple him. Pastor Gary does this day in and day out. Do you know how many interns we've had through our church? you know how many interns we've had that haven't stayed the course with God? But it's all worth it in the fact that there are enough that will walk with God the rest of their life and they will teach and they will train and they will equip and they will do powerful things to, other, to the kingdom of God, investing in other people, reaching other people, paying it forward, if you want to put it that way. Well, when you make impact, when you listen to the spirit of God, you're going to make impact. And that's our final point to be made is that effective believers listen to the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I wanted to do? Do you know what I wanted to do at that time in my life? I wanted to just say, no more. I am done. I am walking away. Do you know how much I needed to have people that were speaking into me? Because this is the following part of our passage says specifically that the Holy Spirit actually told them, no. In a roundabout way, he said, you're going to this place, you're going to this town, Paul, you have this vision, you have this desire to go to the same place that you went to and to teach them and to train them and to equip them. But the Holy Spirit says, stopped them from going. Have you ever found yourself saying no to someone? I actually found myself at this point in my life, spouseless, hobbling around tending to my kids and now hanging from the seatbelt of my Bronco too saying, God, I prayed, I asked, I begged, I pleaded, said, God, I'll change, I gotta, I've changed. And he said, no. What happens? What happens next? I heard someone sharing about their family member who went through a divorce years ago as well. And saying, he's still not over it. He's remarried, has other kids. He's not over it. And I say, come on. I mean, you got to get over it. But then I heard another story in the last week, almost the same time frame of mother, father, split up, fighting over this and that, and kids stuck in the middle. And something hit me like it's never hit me before. Because we don't realize how much our past is still affecting us and how much it's really, it's really keeping us from being effective for the kingdom of God. 
And I was at a point in my life back then when God said no, but I look back in, in my life now and say, God says no sometimes. He actually stops you from going where you want to go. But he will also let you go where you want to go. That's going to destroy your life, but he will let you go. But the truest test of your ability to listen to the Holy Spirit is when he says no. If you really trust and believe and know that he is king, that he is the one that you need, then when he says no, that's going to be the truest test of whether you truly trust in God. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through godly people in your life, the church, speaking into your life. The first thing to go when devastation comes is your personal time, Bible and prayer time. You cut it out. And then the very circumstances that are in your life, you're trying to control them. You're doing everything you can to make things happen the way that you want them to happen. And then the people that are speaking into your life, you do everything you can to push them out. And to pull in the friends that are telling you what you want to hear. Because we're always looking for what our ears are itching to hear. My response back then was run. That's what I wanted to do. But I needed someone to tell me no. There was actually a time in that first, um, uh, that first summer, following all that catastrophe in my life, where I was, I was on Craigslist and I was looking for just some, like some fun toys, you know. I thought, well, this would be really cool just to get a kayak and, and back to the kayak thing. Remember, remember what happened back then? That's what I had to like, remind myself. But I remember I got on the phone and I said, Pastor Gary, I'm at this guy's house in Grand Rapids. He's got this incredible deal on a kayak and all this gear. It comes with everything. It has two paddles even. Can you believe that? It's got the life jacket. It's got the, like, the, 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 whatever, the sleeve thing that keeps you from getting wet. Like, it's incredible. This is a great deal. And it's only X amount of dollars. And then I said, Pastor Gary, this is really what I need you to do. I need you to tell me no. Because I knew that my last kayak experience took me down the wrong path. And there are times when you need other people to tell you no. And Acts 16, verse 6 through 10, Paul was traveling with his companions, travel, traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. So they passed by Myasia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You have doors slammed shut in your life ever? Because God is really good at saying no, but he also is very good at knowing why. So if you trust in him, I remember, I remember slamming someone's, a, a door in front of someone, keeping them. There was an older gentleman in our church, and he was, he, he was just recently saved, and then he was retiring, and he decided that he wanted to serve God in his retirement. And I thought, that's pretty sweet. So I was going to this, this prayer meeting with him, and he had this young guy that had recently accepted Christ down at this downtown ministry thing, and they were talking in the car, and he, this young guy was talking about um, wanting to do ministry, really wanting to serve God because he had just accepted Christ. He was so passionate, and he was on this, like, oh, he was just so excited. And he said, I don't even care about school. I don't even want to get an education. I just want to go and help some people. And I just said, stop. 
And I started to speak into his life and said, listen, you need to slow down. You need to put a comma right there. And you need to think. Because nobody, even the Apostle Paul, when he had the Damascus Road experience, he didn't just jump into serving God and go and start in churches. He sat with disciples. He was a disciple before he discipled others. We get ahead of ourselves all the time because the reality is you don't do the elevating in life. You get elevated. If you elevate yourself, then you're stepping ahead of where God has for you and for your life. But the big question that you have to ask yourself is, what will your response be when things don't go the way that you want them to go? Because those two men are no longer a part of our church. This was years ago, but they didn't stay a part of the church. Both. The very men, the older gentleman that had a desire to serve God actually took up his side of the whole story and the very person that he led to Christ, he then pushed away from the church. And that's exactly what happens when you do the elevating yourself. When God says no, when your circumstances or when the people in your life say no, don't give up. Don't run. God says no four different times right here in our our passage. You can't go to this city. You can't go to that city. You can't go to this city. And they end up in Troas. And this is the reality. This is what it looks like. Do we have that little map? I forgot to tell you about the map. Maps are actually important because this this is the truth. Most of us would head back to where they started. They started in Antioch. And most of, most of us would say, okay, God's closing this door. He's closing that door. He's not allowing us to do these things. And so we're just going to go back to where we started. And so you have the start. It's like huge. Antioch is right there in the middle, right above me. And look at Bithynia is way up on the top there in Galatia. That's where he was headed because he wanted to actually minister to those same people. But he ends up all the way over to the coast where it says Troas. And Paul gets to that point and he says, God, I don't understand why you're saying no to these things. I had a vision. I had a purpose. I had a reason for going to those churches to encourage those people. But God says, no, I have a bigger mission in mind. And so look across the way, all the way at the very top. It's kind of even cut off. It says Philippi. And it says uh, Berea, Thessalonica is up there somewhere. Yeah, it's in the middle there. And then also down to Corinth. And you think, those are five books of the Bible that are right across that sea. Paul didn't realize it, but every time a door was slammed over here in Asia, he was opening up other opportunities that was going to change so many lives. Doors, closed doors will put you in a place with open hearts. You think that you should give up. You think that you should walk back to where you started. And this is the reality. Oftentimes, you're called by God, and you go, and then you show up later, you're back saying, well, you know, that didn't work out, I'm back. And my biggest, my biggest question, my biggest thing is, didn't God call you? So there's one of two things that are happening. Either God didn't really call you and you were just doing your own thing, or you are right now in rebellion against what God is doing. Just because he says no, just because he doesn't answer your, your prayers and doesn't bring your wife back, or just because things don't work the way that you want them to, you don't give up. You move forward because God may close doors, but he's only opening hearts somewhere else that you can reach out to, that you can do something with. Paul receives that vision, and he doesn't waste any time. He jumps up, takes his guys with him, and they take off. The unknown is actually exciting if you're walking with God. 
This is the truth about who God is. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and He changes us to become like the Son of God. But only when we're actually sensitive to the Spirit of God working in us. You must position yourself for God to speak. Paul could have missed opportunity after opportunity across the Aegean Sea to reach many, many people in five books of the New Testament that wouldn't be there if he had chosen to just give up and go back to Antioch. You have an opportunity to reach so many more people if you just don't give up. You have an opportunity to reach your kids in a very unique and a very powerful way if you just don't give up. Keep moving forward. Close your eyes with me, and I want you to think. I want you to respond. Because there is nothing more important than taking the word of God and, and understanding it and reading it or preaching it or letting it sink in. There's nothing more important than the word of God actually changing us and us responding. So right now I pray, God, for your spirit to really, truly move in a powerful way in the lives of the people here that are running. Because there is someone, God, here that is on the verge of taking off or someone here that is in the midst of turmoil and they don't know where to turn. I pray that we would be the vessels that change other people and that we straighten our own lives out by, by focusing, God, on you. Do you want the power and the presence of God in your life? I want you to put up your hand and say, that's me, God. This is not for me. It's not for my sake. It is for you to speak to God right now, to say, God, I'm putting my hand up to say, guide me, and I will listen. Say no, and I will accept it. I'm okay, God with anything that you put into my life because I know that you have a greater purpose and a greater plan and I trust in you. Is that right? Yeah. Put your hands down, but keep your eyes closed. I want to ask one more question because it's more important than anything else in the world. If we can have some lights out there, we have to understand this. Every single person in the room, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, you are not just lost in this lifetime, you are lost for eternity. And if you don't recognize and understand and know that Jesus is the one that saves and changes and encourages and picks you up and helps you and, and empowers you to be who you need to be, then you need to put up your hand right now and say, I need Jesus. Because without Jesus, you are in trouble. Would anybody just put up their hand, put up a a hand and just say, this is me. I, I need this. Pray for me because I need to understand this. And we, we will talk to you because it's vitally important. I want you, every single person that's in here, look up here. Every single person that's in here, you need to walk out of this place and you need to talk to the people that you love. And you need to be serious about where they're at spiritually. Because if you don't have that communication, then you're going to be losing your kids. You need to challenge each other as a family unit, unified together. God, go with us, right? As we submit to you, God, go with us so that we can reach the people across the Aegean Sea that we never even thought were there.
that we never even thought about. Help us, God. Amen? Amen. Amen.